Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Let's talk some UVA basketball. Chris Graham here on the podcast and on YouTube and on Facebook, everywhere we can be. Uh, it's a quick turnaround. Virginia with the one-point win over Clemson on Saturday. Uh, and then uh, this is one of the two times this season Virginia will be doing the Saturday-Monday uh, getting ready for big Monday splits. I know it's coming up in a couple of weeks again as well. Virginia with the win over Clemson, improving to eight and three in the ACC. And now with Duke having lost to UNC on Saturday night, Virginia's in second place in the ACC. Who, who thought that was the possible possibility three weeks ago, right? And uh, no time to really revel in that, though, with uh, the game tonight, uh, Miami coming to Charlottesville. In fact, they're obviously they're already here. Um, Miami and Virginia shared the ACC regular season title last year with 15 and five conference records. Uh, from there, things got a little different. Virginia uh, went to the ACC tournament final and lost to Duke. And then Miami was the team that made the final four. Virginia lost in the first round, as we know, the Furman loss. Um and I don't, you know, I still think, man, you win that game. Who knows what happens to Virginia, but you didn't win the game. So um, this year's teams, uh, the teams are, are in divergent uh, places as well. Uh, Virginia is 8-3 ACC, 17-5 overall. Uh, Virginia is second place in the ACC at the moment. Miami's kind of struggled a bit of late. 15-7 <clears throat> and seven, uh, overall, 6-5 and five in the ACC. Kind of foresaw this, and it's not like it took a genius to figure out that uh, – when they lost Isaiah Wong to the NBA draft, that uh, this team was was going to have to adjust, just like everybody else has to adjust, right? But, uh, you know, Miami was uh, getting, uh, unlike Virginia, was getting preseason top 25 love, uh, picked ahead of Virginia in the ACC standings. And not to say that, I mean, we've got a long, long way to go in the ACC, eight and three and six and five. That's 11 games out of 20. Uh, and and the both teams' schedules are, are backloaded with uh, – with the depth there. <laughs> so um, there's the, the tough games are still coming is the way to put that. But uh, uh, Miami started out two and only ACC has lost five of their last nine in ACC play. Uh, and um, they did win their last time out having to rally from 10 down uh, to beat uh, Virginia tech uh, on Saturday. Now, so this Miami Miami starters and rotation group, uh, there are some familiar names, and then there's some some new guys as well. Norchad Omie is is a guy that uh, is is going to be the focal point for this team. Uh, boy, he's playing well. My, uh, 18 points a game, 9.7 rebounds a game, 63.3 percent from the field, 39.4 percent from three. He's developed a three point shot. Uh, this big six seven, 240 pounder. Boy, he's going to he's a tough guy for for a lot of uh, teams to uh, have to play against uh, down low. Yeah. And he plays at center. He plays about 30 minutes a game. Uh, you know, he's he's at 6'7", playing center. There, there gets uh, spelled for brief spurts by 6'10", freshman Michael uh, Nuoko, who only plays 8.9 minutes a game. Um, so when you do the math on that, even when Nuoko's not in the game, Miami goes, quote-unquote, small. I hate to, you know, for the, for the real-world people in us, Six seven's not small, but in, in in college basketball, NBA basketball, having a six seven guy as your biggest on the floor uh, is is what they call going small. Um, six eight freshman forward Kaishawn George is usually the biggest guy on the floor for Miami. I mean, for three quarters of the game, he'll be the biggest guy on the floor, and he's a guy that shoots threes. He's a forty one point five percent shooter from three, so he's a, a you know not a guy that's going to uh, beat you down low or anything like that. Um, 
when I say they go small, but you know, Nigel Packett, the six oh point guard, is is small. I mean, he's an average size guy. I'm six feet tall, so that's that's average male height, right? But you know, they go six seven with with Matthew Cleveland, the Florida State transfer, uh, at one of the forward spots. Uh Wuga Poplar, uh, the other forward spot, another guy who shoots a lot of threes. He's a uh, 44.7% from three. You see, there's there's some danger with this team with the, the ability to hit the threes. Uh, and then the point guard is Bensley Joseph. So the backcourt's small, but, I mean, the the, the, the athletic uh, on the front line, athletic and strong on the front line, this Miami team. So uh, how Virginia plays this one is, you know, I think it's uh, one of those – Things that works out for you schedule-wise that Virginia didn't have to play Miami because this is the only time these two teams will meet in the regular season this year, uh, that we didn't have to play them earlier in the season, earlier in the ACC season, because Jordan Miner has only been playing of late. He started the last seven games, and uh, uh, you know back early on in the ACC schedule, uh, he was not a factor. He was a garbage-time guy. Miner's the kind of guy who can potentially give only a fits. Uh, at 6'8", 242, that's what they list him at. He looks, he's big and strong. I mean, so that should be a heavyweight matchup down low. Uh, that should be fun to watch. Uh, Miner, in his uh, seven games as a starting center, 9.1 points, 5.7 rebounds a game, 55.6% shooting. And then on defense, he's allowing 4.3 points per game on 34.5% shooting. So um, those are impressive numbers uh, on both sides. I mean, what he gives you on defense what is is what changes this team and then you know anything you get from from minor on offense is is just is just gravy on top of that right i mean he's got a nice left hand we've seen that a couple times we saw that a couple times in the clemson game uh and uh he'll finish at the rim real strong as well uh in the backcourt uh i would imagine that reese beekman probably gets nigel pack in the uh in, in the matchups uh Maybe not to start the game, but uh, you know when it gets to be time to to make moves, it'll be the, that'll be the matchup that would leave Isaac McNeely on Joseph at the point guard position, and that's, I mean, McNeely was was playing um, defense on the point in the Clemson game and got beat to the rim a couple times, so we'll see how that works out. The weak spot in this turning lineup, um, I mean, I, I, I hate to harp on this, uh, we. <laughs> I, I guess I'm the only person writing about it, and it seems like I've got some agenda. But no, Andrew Rohde just is is his has been the weak spot, but he would be the weak spot in this lineup against this Miami team, no matter what. Um, just because you know, with with their two guys, uh, Poplar and Cleveland, sort of in the middle. You know, I mean, because obviously, uh, Rohde is the is the third guard. Virginia plays three guards, two forwards. Uh, he's the three guard, and then Ryan Dunn is the four. He's really a fourth guard, but he's he's rim protecting guard is is not really a something you see advertised a lot. That's why Ryan Dunn is is a projected first round NBA draft pick. Um, uh, Dunn gets one of those two guys, either Cleveland or Poplar, and then the others, you know, if Rhodey's in the starting lineup, I mean, if he you know, depending on how many minutes he gets, he's going to have to get the other guy. Um. And I don't know that even the options off the bench are necessarily great in terms of matching up against, you know, the other guy. Uh, and and so that's going to be, you know, it's going to be an issue there for Virginia. I'd like to see Jake Groves get more time. Obviously, he's got to get more time. Uh, averaging 17.5 points a game in his last two outings. He's shooting 50% from three-point range on the season, 9 of 12 in his last two. And uh, 
you know, it may be having done out there, it's or having um yeah done at six eight and then Groves at six nine, uh could make Miami and, and Coach Jim Laranaga have to adjust to Virginia, uh and so that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, let's uh, uh the one other thing I would really wanted to get into on this podcast. Uh, I get a lot of these questions, and and I'm so glad people uh, you know obviously paying attention here on the podcast, paying attention on the videos. Uh, to whenever I say, if you got any questions, email me, uh, I get a lot of those emails. And so, uh, one thing I get a lot of questions about, it's only February 5th as we're talking here. So there's still, gosh, I mean, a month and what would that be a month and a week until the ACC tournament? I think the ACC tournament, um, starts March 8th. If I remember right, I just applied for the credentials for that. Uh, it's in DC this year. It ends the 12th. If that's, you know, going by the math on that. And so, um, uh, uh, you know, that's a ways away, <laughs> let's just say five weeks away, but yeah, I understand, you know, the ESPN beats us over the head with Joe Lunardi. And he, of course he puts out bracketology in April for the next season. So, you know, it's just attention getting kind of stuff, but, um, legitimate questions. Where does Virginia stand in the metrics? Uh, and you'd think that, you know, and I got a couple of emails from people lamenting things, that was a quad one win over Clemson. I mean, beating a Clemson team in their place, that's a quad one win. You think that will boost the fortunes of Virginia? It did, actually. Um, the biggest jump uh, came uh, in the KPI. There there are several rankings. It's not just one. You always hear about net. Um, but the, the uh, NCAA Tournament Selection Committee actually uses a number of computer rankings. Uh, and it's because it, the the idea of being, hey, one can't get it all right. You know, it's... it's um, so you want to get a snapshot of across the spectrum because a computer ranking is only as good as the variables you put into it. Uh, then things get spit out from there. Uh, and so I think it's pretty smart of the selection committee to say, let's, let's get a, let's get a cross section of these things. Okay. So KPI, uh, Virginia was 49 midweek, uh, after the win over Notre Dame rose all the way to 34th after the win over, uh, Clemson. That's a pretty good number when you're talking about at large, positioning uh rpi was up 13 from 45 to 32 the others didn't move as much uh the espn bpi already had virginia pretty decently rated and uh just three a three spot improvement from 38 to 35 uh the net yeah that's the one that really gets virginia uh because you hear about it all the time five spot improvement uh, after the clemson win from 47 to 42 ken palm uh just one spot improvement 58 to 57 that one Got me a little bit, but Ken Palm is is a little different. Um, it Ken Palm doesn't look at, uh, I mean the 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 algorithm there is not something that uh, values wins any more than anything else. It it's simply a measure of uh, offensive efficiency versus defensive efficiency, and then uh, over a hundred possessions, the margin between the two, and so uh, you're not getting strength of win that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, and so Virginia, you know, in the Ken Palm, the the offense is still ranked pretty low. Uh, the defense is, you know, in the I think it was twelfth when I last looked. Uh, so, you know, and and I'll, I'm just I'll, I'll editorialize here. I didn't do this in the story that I that I wrote about this. Uh, I heard I think it was uh, I can't think of the guy's name who was the color commentator on the broadcast the other day uh, for Virginia Clemson, but uh, uh, he made a great point that uh, all of these rankings um, don't 
measure the college basketball game the way the coaches do. Uh, you know, you coaches want their teams to be better as the season goes on and peaking just like uh, anybody training. If you're a swimmer, if you're a runner, I'm a distance runner. You don't, you don't run your, your best uh, run every day. You don't, you know, you, you try to peak when you're getting ready for a marathon. I'm planning to run a marathon in November. You don't want to run your marathon pace every day between now and then you want to run it then. Um, from a basketball team perspective, you know, you're, you're, you shouldn't be playing your best basketball in November. Virginia did that last year. Look at what, look, look how that worked out for us. Right. Uh, you want to be peaking, start, starting to peak now. Um, and, uh, but the, the, the metrics value every game equally a uh, game in November against North Carolina A&T is, is treated the same as uh, playing against Duke in uh, Cameron indoor stadium on March 2nd. So, um, you know, I don't know. Computers can, can, can computers be taught to value the late season games better? That's why there's still a human element to it. That's why there's still a, a selection committee and not just a computer that decides who gets into the tournament. Uh, among the things that metrics don't even account for, but the selection committee does is your record in your last 10 games. Uh, you know, the number of true road victories, even though you don't play road games in the uh, NCAA tournament or ACC tournament, but NCAA tournament, uh, you know, your record in those games is uh, uh, it's a reflection that you don't just win at home when the the crowd is cheering for you, I guess, is, is one way to put that. So there, there are variables that are thrown out there. Um, from Virginia's standpoint, I did an average rating of the six uh, uh, metrics there, 38.7. Uh, what that would project to, if you you know just do some math on that, that's a nine or a ten seat. You're somewhere in between nine and ten. Um, and obviously, with nine games to go regular season, whatever happens in Washington D.C. in the ACC tournament, there's still room to go up or go down or hold still hold steady. From that standpoint, uh, looking at the quality games on the schedule uh, for those metrics that do measure quality games, there's three quad one games left. At Virginia Tech, February 19th, Carolina in JPJ, February 24th, Duke, March 2nd. And there's three quad twos at Florida State on February 10th. That's this coming weekend. That's actually Saturday. Uh, Wake Forest coming to JPJ the following Saturday. And then at Boston College, yeah, that's a quad two uh, on February 28th. So uh, three quad ones, three quad twos, chances to uh, improve the standings uh, from there. Okay, so tonight is game night. Uh, we're on game day. It's a seven o'clock tip in JPJ. Uh, I'll be. Uh, I, I like to say courtside. We're not technically courtside. We sit up in the middle of section one hundred seven. I think it is. Uh, I've been sitting there for. Mm, this is what the eighteenth year. God, that is eighteen years. Um, and uh, we've been sitting there ever from the beginning, but. Uh, you know, we used to sit courtside, but uh, I kind of like sitting up a little better. You can see the game a little differently. So anyway, um, but we'll be there. Uh, Scott German and I will be there. Uh, this is your pregame. I got some other pregames. Got the preview on the website. Got the metrics thing on the website. Got some mailbag items on the website. I'll link to all those uh, both here uh, on the – If depending on where you get to podcast, um, you can look at the description. There will be some links there. Uh, also on YouTube, we'll put the links there. Uh, and of course, it's just on the guestofrepress.com website. You have any questions for me? Any things for me to address in a you know upcoming story or podcast? Please feel free to email me 
at chris at augustafreepress.com.